Welcome to the Changemakers in CRE, a podcast by Realist. We're bringing you the stories and the people driving change and innovation in the commercial real estate industry. You're about to hear from a changemaker as they share what went right, what went wrong, what they've learned along the way, and what's next. So tune in and join us as we uncover what the future will look like for commercial real estate. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Changemakers in CRE. I'm your host, Tom Wallace, CEO and founder of Released Commercial Property Management Software. Today, we're joined by Sheree McIntyre, the founder of Coworking Council. Welcome to the show, Sheree. Great to have you here with us. Thanks so much. It's great to be here. No, thank you. Just a thought, a bit of background to get started with. I wonder if you could tell us just a bit about yourself, if you could tell us a bit about Coworking Council, why you started it, the type of clients that you work with, yeah, anything, that, any bit of background would be great. Sure. Well, I've been building co-working businesses and, and facilitating co-working partnerships, sometimes via management agreements and, and sometimes just via other modes of partnerships. It doesn't always have to be a management agreement. And I also, Coworking Council also offers all advice and consulting in regards to co-working functionalities. And I've been involved with co-working now for, as I just mentioned, a long time with lots of successful implementation of major co-working facilities on an international basis. And I believe the timing's right um, now to share all I've learned and mm. I must say continue learning. There is limited co-working resources actually available to landlords and developers yeah. and assets managers as such in Australia. And now more than ever, I think co-working is on the agenda and, and particularly if you ha- own an office building or you're running an office building or you manage an office building, it, it is it is a, a priority. And so it's great if there's, there's people like myself around to provide guidance and clarity on, on how to get the different options and how to get co-working up and running in your bu- building. Yeah, it's a specialised, right? It's not the same. I imagine there's been some landlords over time where um, they've potentially made the assumption that it's just, I've had I've been an office landlord for a while. This is the same sort of thing. Have a crack and kind of find out all the sort of uniquenesses and uh, all little edge cases that can really trip you up. I imagine having someone like yourself is pretty uh, pretty valuable. Yeah, look, I hope so because it isn't a landlord's core business and there is a lot to it. And Mm. actually, I built a roadmap to help one of the landlords that I'm assisting at the moment. It's an A to Z roadmap of setting up co-working and it really does highlight the process is huge and then that's that's before you even get to actually trying to earn the right margins was there yeah. one point for for every letter or is it you just you're just using a to z it's because it's yeah. as a broad term like what did you <laughs> what was sense. what was q no, no. no. No idea. I, no, just just as a broad sense. Okay, um, yeah, okay. yeah, because that would be tricky getting to Z. I'm not sure what I do with Z. <laughs> Quality would be Q, but I don't know about yeah. yeah. X is like you're pretty limited. Exactly. Yeah, but it is. It's it's a great um, it's a great tool because it allows you to really see, and it's based on a timeline as well. It really allows you to understand the process involved. Um, when and where things should happen, the triggers that need to be pulled at, at a particular point in the, the process. And, and and like I said, that's just to get you to this point of opening your site. So then there's a whole, there's probably a whole new roadmap I can you know, build for after that point. A bit. What's the, what would you say is like what, one of the biggest learning curves for a landlord coming in and 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 taking on co-working and getting their heads around it? What, what, what is it? What are some of the most fundamentally different things that they need to learn to adjust to? 
I think it's a completely different model. They're um, used to longer leases and therefore their their forecasting and their valuations are are there's longevity there and and so there's there's a lot more less risk I guess and and a lot more less unknowns too. I think that's probably the biggest hurdle for a landlord to to get over. Mm. Like the, it's just it, there's been a lot of change in a short space of time, right? Like I uh, imagine well we were, I think, made this famous or infamous. It really, really, certainly brought a lot of attention to it. That's for sure. But it's changed a lot. Like, how, how are you seeing landlords responding to the change? Or and are you and us, are, are a lot of landlords not responding? I guess as well, just sort of ignoring it. Yes, I think that both. I think there's still landlords who are waiting on the sidelines, treading water, work just to sort of see how things pan out over the next year. But there are also landlords who are very keen and very proactive with with working out their options in regards to how they're getting going to get co-working in their buildings but it's it's not just getting flexible space into their buildings they're also looking at post-covid lures so things like outdoor terraces and elevator free access what I mean by that is your lower levels assets are really great because you're getting an escalator or you're climbing stairs to actually get into the building as opposed to elevators other things that they're really concentrating on is mechanical your fresh your recycled air and and how that's affecting your building and how it runs at the moment and how you could possibly upgrade that car parking is a big issue now too because a lot of people would prefer to drive their car than than catch public transport there's all the other aspects that landlords are really paying attention to now imagine uh, bike parking as well well, hopefully bike parking becomes a, a pretty big thing as well along with the car parking yeah, well, well, it already is quite prevalent here in Australia, which is great. But yeah, it's it's hard to imagine. It doesn't rain, right? As much you can bike to work and not and not get yeah, wet. Yeah, I guess it's just a really common way for people to get to work. And there's so many bike tracks, so the, the councils and the governments have really got on board with good bike tracks. And of course, the buildings now there there wouldn't be a developer who's planning a a building in a capital city in Australia that doesn't incorporate end-of-trip facilities. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. You mentioned COVID. So I might be putting you on the spot a little bit, but I have to ask, how do you think the role of the office will change? Like we've seen, I don't know that it's, it certainly hasn't settled down in a lot of the places we've dealt with or for our for our customers, it's still a, a real mix in terms of the numbers that are coming to the office. Yeah. I guess, do you have a prediction of where that'll settle down and, and then and where co-working fits in in that, in that new world? It feels like it could just be potentially the perfect time for co-working to play but to play a slightly different role than it did in the before the pandemic. Yeah, look, I have a prediction. That, of course, it doesn't mean that it'll be right, but I do think that this has shone the light on on humans feeling really comfortable and really happy with our work environment and it brings out the best of us. But I think it's also shone a light on loneliness and not getting that collaboration and that interaction with people as well. There is some really good silver linings that are going to come out of it. I do think it will, I do think that the office environment, so to speak, will be um, more conducive to collaboration and zonings. And mm-hmm. I've been I've been saying this really since COVID sort of reared its ugly head, that your companies will be able to or should look probably will look to zoning their office environments and 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 allowing teams to work together and then going off and having their own areas individual desks if they want to work they're coming back together in a zoned environment and then there'll be it'll also be allow for whole team collaboration and you might have your marketing department that 
that has Wednesdays as their day when they're in the office and they're they're going through their their whip and 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 what their what's on their plate and then it could literally work like that. I think that out of all this, there'll be more thought around how people like to work, what does what 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 gets the best out of people, and also that. It, it's how do I put this without um, sounding derogatory? But I think that's that hasn't been looked at. We, we've kind of been here's your here's your wages. You need to come into work. Need you here by eight thirty. And I guess company owners or CEOs have been able to really ride that for a long time now. And so it'll be really great for the population at large to really have that type of environment. It, it, as I said, brings out the best in people anyway. Yeah, I think there's a few really interesting factors that are combining, right? You've got a very tight labor market. You've got every basically the whole world who had a work from home ex- experimented exactly the same time and figured that they could work from home. And and yeah, I think the employee experience had been pretty low on the list of priorities now. And I think employer employees are now that, that, that's a massive part of, of a role they'll take or a role they'll stay at. And if you want people to come to the office, if that's an important part of a, of a strategy for a business, then there needs to be a good reason for that. Yeah, and look, we all know, don't we? Yeah, we all know we have our, you know, our favorite restaurant or our favorite park or our favorite camping ground. And the visual appeal to those things is very strong. We don't go there because the, just the food's great. We go there because it's an, a whole experience. It's immersive, and we really get the benefits of not just the food being great, all our senses being activated and that that's that's similar to how I see the workplace having to be and it benefits everybody so yeah do you think we'll see a rise in with more people working from home more often will we, do you think we'll see a any sort of fundamental shift in the location of co-working do you think we'll see more suburban co-working like little hub and spoke little offsites little areas where if they want to work from home but they need a, a meeting room handy that's not a half hour commute away to the city do you think you'll see changes or, or are we already seeing that change yeah, we already are seeing that changes. The landlords that I'm speaking to and the co-working operators that I'm speaking to are talking about their suburban locations being in demand. And then the landlords are also, if they have suburban assets, talking about how they get some flex space in there. And I've heard also there's other co-working operators looking for more suburban sites because Yes, it it may be a given that you can work from home two days a week, but you're still in that situation where you're you're on your own. You're the lines are blurred between what's work and what's not, and when you finish, a newborn and a toddler that want to bash on my door at the wrong time. Exactly, and when the the dogs terrorizing you to take it for a walk like that's what happens where with me and working from home yeah i think that it that suburban city fringe co-working operators has definitely got a place now more so than ever yeah do you think like how prevalent do you think the mix of co-working will be if you say that if they had 100 percent office space do you think there'll be it'll end up getting to sort of 50 50 or do you think it'll stay in the minorities and like the 10 20 percent would you want to make a prediction there or is it too hard to know at this stage. Well, it, it's hard to generalise as well because obviously your CBD buildings, your CBD assets are going to be different from your suburban assets that are a lot smaller and have those benefits of, of elevator free access and outdoor terraces where your CBD buildings, there's elevators and there's not much you can do about it. It would depend on a whole lot of different criteria. There are some buildings that are, are more 
prevalent for co-working and it will make sense for that building to have 30% co-working and it will depend on whether the co-working operator is in there on a traditional lease or, or a management agreement because there is an issue in regards to valuations of buildings. If you can keep your co-working space, if you're on a management agreement under 20%, then it's quite doable. That also could be the actual decision on how much co-working you have in your building. But yeah, look, it is, there's a whole range of factors in regards to what's the correct percentage of flex space. Yeah, it's it's not something that I think can be generalised. Yeah. That's no, really interesting. And I think like a, we always hear this with like the value as being the piece that hasn't really caught up or got their heads around where this is going to sit. It's interesting. And there's some parallels to technology and, and software as a service where they went from having long licenses or perpetual licenses that buy the software to leasing it and potentially having annual contracts or monthly contracts. And then obviously there was a new way of valuing them, but the recurring revenue became the really valuable piece there, which yes. was recognized and became greater than what it replaced, actually. It'll just be very interesting to see how the value of the buildings, or how the value was look at it over time. I'm not sure why it's such a, a hurdle, though. You know, obviously, you've got your service departments and your hotels that run very nicely on management agreements and, and the valuers for those assets, are, are, you know, have their their process. And you look at some, a company like Industrious, so they have 100 locations in the States and 50% of those locations are on management agreements. There is a way and there, I guess it's a matter of it comes down to how important it is to have co-working in your building and if you can't find a co-working operator to actually take on a traditional lease, then it's it's something worth looking at. Mm, yep, 100%. The, obviously, I think we hope or we expect or we we all really hope, I suppose, we're out of the worst of it. Like, how was the impact of that through COVID? Was there, was there a particularly painful period or a period of readjustment, obviously, for, for those that had the co-working space in that time? Yeah, look, it was it was really tough because it shone a light on the benefits of being a co-working tenant, didn't it, really? Because if you're in your or is due you were out of there because you had the government recommending to work from home, that was really tough and anyone in business would make the same decision and that's why it's important to have a buffer and a good brand and, and really be able to... There was other products that you could pivot and, and put out to the market to provide that buffer. And then, of course, you had your, 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 your periods of time where there was no lockdown and, and then, of course, you had your, your clients that were essential services that still needed you. It was a matter of really being wow, super disciplined and, and really, really watching everything in the business and the trends and really looking for opportunities to counter attack you know counteract in regards to the 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 tenants that may not be renewing and then yeah no no totally what are those tenants coming back again now so that's the good that's the good news yeah i'll be they'll be stronger for it and it was a complete black swan event right like no one was uh no one was expecting that in the speed it came through so they'll be stronger for it i guess and to finish off what are the um what are the some of the opportunities that you're most excited about for co-working going forward from here in a post-pandemic hopefully Look, just astonishingly, co-working only takes up 3% of Australia's total office space. I'm really excited to see that grow. There is so many options available for buildings to get co-working into their, into their building. I personally have a system, it's, a, it's an, like an audit 
checklist, if you like, 15 points um, where I can value and give you, give landlords or asset managers an idea of the boxes they're ticking as far as running a successful co-working operation or having a successful co-working operation. I can also show them where there is a shortfall and how to fix that. And then I can also be brutally honest and say, this is something that can't be fixed and it's going to be a real hurdle for you. So that's the first, I think that's the first point of call is it's still got to be the right, like the right asset and the right location. You've still got to tick a lot of those boxes. So that's the first point of call. But after that, once you do get closer to really nailing those 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 relevant dynamics that help you have successful co-working in your building, then I hope to see like I said, that percentage increase and and it be just the way expect an expectation of tenants that any building they move into, there'll be flex space. Yeah, it's been huge for us as a as a, as a growing software company. I think like when we went, you know, we moved over to the UK two thousand sixteen, or so, I think we were in five different spaces in the in in two or three years because we were just growing so fast, and it was very right. hard for us to know how big we'd be in the next six months or twelve months, let alone four or six years or a typical lease term. So it's been incredibly valuable for us. And we got to a certain stage and then and then we had a lot more stability and we were able to secure a really great space from there. But it was it was it was just perfect for us on the way through. Yeah. I expected three percent, I expected to see a lot more growth. And it was interesting to hear you talk about um even though this is a new model, location and quality just being two absolute keys, which is uh, and it's funny that's like with, with everything that changes, there's there's some things that just remain exactly the same. That's true. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, you can't um, ignore those those elements because there's a lot at risk. Yeah, you can't just flog your B, your B grade space and, and call it co working and. No, you can't. No, but you, but you can certainly look at how you can make it. And quite often, it's just a few tweaks in regards to ensuring that it is going to be successful. Brilliant. Oh, thank you, Sheree. That was a, a great chat. Thank you so much for joining us, and uh, yeah, I hope you have a great rest of your day. Great. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Tom. You've been listening to The Changemakers in CRE, a podcast by Released. Keep connected with us by subscribing to the show and sharing the episodes you love. That helps us continue bringing you the best stories about what's next for commercial real estate. Thanks for listening.